your home for the best coverage of Clitztown Golden Bears news, up, athletics updates, and upcoming events right here on the radio voice of Clitztown University, KUR. Once again, Josh, do join alongside my broadcasting partner, good friend, and right now my arch rival, Mr. Jack Heim. Yes, I am Mr. Jack Heim. And uh, we can get right into the uh, rivalry part if you want to, because I would be elated to do so. Yes, just just do it. Let's just get this done and over with. Because, Jack, I told you before we got on air, this we strictly talk about Kutztown Golden Bear Athletics. But today, I have so much to talk about with MLB. There's been so much going on, and I just I need to let it out. And I want to have a great discussion about this, and I think it would be very beneficial for not only me, but I think yourself as well. You do it on the Wednesday windup, but maybe if I could do that for a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, we'll make this quick and brief, and then get into cuts down sports. But uh, you can't you can't brush over MLB talk without talking about last night's uh, Mets Phillies game, uh, where the Mets pulled off one of the greatest comebacks uh, in recent memory and maybe history. Uh, but Mets rallied for seven runs in the ninth inning, went at eight to seven after being down seven to one. The game, the Mets were dead in the water, dead in the water. But a ninth inning rally for the ages staged a Mets win. Edwin Diaz slammed the door in the bottom of the ninth with a one-two-three inning, including two strikeouts of Roman Quinn and Reese Hoskins, and a ground out to second base by JT Romuto. That's how well uh, last night was for me. I remember every every single play that happened. I could go off the list of the Mets hits too, but we we, we time permitting, uh, I am still reveling in what, what what that was. That was just absolutely incredible. And I was texting my dad this morning. It's like, I'm still watching the highlights from last night. It's still so hard to believe what happened. I couldn't even believe it. I thought that game was over with. and So did a lot of people. And I was actually, before I came into the studio this morning, I had class with a good friend. He's also a big Phillies fan with me. And I said to him, where do we go from here? And we don't even know. He goes, what do you, what do, you do? And I don't expect I'll play today. It's supposed to rain all day, but... Yeah, that that's my number, that's my first point. My second point, I texted you about this. I know uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks when they threw out the pitcher after the first inning, the stare down, and Jack, I think that was the most, the biggest entitlement act I've ever seen from an umpire in about nineteen years. If he could basically say what he did in words, he would probably just say, I'm an umpire, I'm in charge, and what are you going to do about it? What do you think about that? that? That was pretty crazy. Madison Bumgarner got ejected in the first inning after you know each half inning the pitchers get checked for the foreign substance checks that were implemented. Uh, the umpire, believed to have said, have found something on Madison Bumgarner's hand. Uh, he tossed him from the game after an altercation started to ensue, uh, and Madison Bumgarner was irate uh, having to be held back by four different D-backs players slash coaches uh, in what was a crazy scene in Miami, but the D-backs swept the series, so it you know, didn't really matter at the end of the day. And speaking of, a team that was supposed to be a bottom feeder sitting at 13-13 right now, Arizona, a lot better start than people thought. Better better than the Phillies, I'll say that, but I'm going to hope for a good rest of the series against the Mets. I'm, I'm really hoping, but we have our hands full with Max Scherzer, but... That's just something else. And my my last point before we get into Golden Bear Athletics, Jack, the Houston Astros, we're going back to 2016, I believe. They were stealing signs. This was a big controversy year in, year out. Everybody was talking about them. Oh, they're stealing signs. And the, and the one team that was really complaining about it, the New York Yankees. And guess who they caught stealing signs as well? The New York Yankees. 
I I actually had a good history teacher in high school. He was a big Yankees fan. He every year he would complain about the Astros. Oh, they stole signs. Well, what is what can he say now? Yeah, yeah, you know, no no room for excuses now. They were also caught for cheating, as were the Boston Red Sox. So three prominent AL teams over the past five years. I mean, the Yankees have always been a prominent team, as have the Red Sox, but the Astros really turned it on, making three World Series appearances in the last five years, only taking home one. But, you know, those three teams were powerhouses, and they were all found of cheating at one point or another. Uh, and, you know, it is what it is. You don't have an excuse anymore. Uh, as The Yankees letter, as it was titled, uh, was released to the public. You know, it's a little bit older news, but that's still relevant. And wow, it was just it was just crazy to see. Crazy to see. Isn't Noah Pegler a Red Sox fan? I yes, believe. Yes, he is. Oh, I wonder what he feels about that. Yeah. Maybe 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 for lucky he's listening in and he'll text us and he'll I I just want to know what he thinks. Maybe we'll have to text him, but Maybe. That's a, that's enough MLB talk, but Jack, that took up a good amount of time. So we have to turn it over to the KUR notebook. So we'll be right back after this and get right into our Lengthy discussion of KU Athletics right here on the Bears Beat. Attention KU community. Are you interested in studying abroad? The Frederick Douglass Institute is hosting a study abroad trip to the United Kingdom this summer from July 17th to August 7th. Dr. Maria Sinelli will be teaching History 145, The Search for Social Justice, and Dr. James Jackson will be teaching Psychology 290, Culture and Personality. Come to learn and to explore. Visit www.douglasstudyabroad.info for more information. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Jack, I, you just will not stop about that game last night. You know, you're playing the, the call of the game over and over and over again. You will not let that stop. Oh, my God. Hey, I've only played it twice. And, hey, you gave me a razzin after the Phillies uh, came back and rallied uh, and beat the Mets 5-4 to four earlier in the year. So, you know what? I'm giving a little giving a little taste of your own medicine. Oh, but, yes. Thank you. I, I, yeah. I appreciate no, you that. Gotta, gotta, gotta give the fair treatment. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm playing those calls. But, you know, I'm going to stop now. Enough's enough. You got to know when... When to uh, quit the j- trash talk, but the Mets did come back in a historic way, and uh, j- you know, that that's that. One more thing I just want to mention, and I promise we will get into this, but I just love MLB too much. My Also, too, I, I know my mom listens in every week, and she, she even tells me, Josh, you need to focus on your schoolwork. You need to stop talking about MLB. MLB is not important. Baseball is not important. But Oh, but it is. Oh, but it is. You're right. Absolutely. But... Talking about how the Mets blew that four nothing lead, the Mets did come back to win that series two games to three. Could the Phillies possibly come back and take three out of four? No. No. Bias. You could say bias. You can say whatever you want. I don't see it happening with Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, and Carlos Carrasco scheduled to take the mound again tonight's game is largely up in question due to the rain. But, uh, but and we as did is tomorrow's. But, but we did score four runs off. Of Max Scherzer though in on the you Sunday did. on the Sunday night baseball game, so I just want to mention that, and we do we do have Kyle Gibson on the mound, two point nine one ERA, should be a good matchup if tonight's game does occur. All right, that, that that's enough. All right, let, let's get back. Let's get into Kutztown Golden Bear Athletics here. Let's do it. S- softball, dude. Oh man. Oh, they've been on a run in the PSAC oh, tournament. Here it is. Yeah, absolutely. Look at that. And starting off our discussion here with round number one. Round number one. East Stroudsburg. Oh, 
hold on, Jack. I'm so sorry to interrupt you once again. I really am. I am so sorry. My mom just texted me. I never said it's not important, just not as important as schoolwork. Well, the baseball greater than sign schoolwork, but. All right, back, back into the discussion here. So looking at that game here, this was a really beneficial game. And once again, it was pitching who locked it down with Bridget Bailey giving up two runs in the first. And for the fans that were in attendance, number one, I love games like this because it was under the lights. It was a 7 o'clock start, and East Stroudsburg jumped out to a 2 nothing lead thanks to a home run, it looks like, from... The last name is McCowan, but it was a two-run blast, and that was the only runs they got from that game as well. So, oh, there were two home runs, excuse me, solo shots each. So, those were the two early runs they got from that game, and that was the only run support they received. And from the fans, even my friend went down to the game, and he said from early on it looked like it was going to be a really shaky game. And the reason was because Kutztown was very silent in the very beginning. And looking at that box score, that is true. And that 2 nothing lead to start out with, it, it did look a little shaky. But Bridget Bailey did come in and shut it down once again. And looking at her line, six innings pitched, six hits, two runs. Both were earned from those two home runs like we just talked about, five strikeouts. So those two home runs were big. And it looked like the tide might be going in favor of East Stroudsburg, but Kutztown had other plans. They did. Uh, the offense really poured it on, you know, starting in the middle innings. Uh, they played a two in the third, five in the fourth, and then a run in the fifth and two in the sixth to end the game with a 10-2 score in six innings. Uh, the offense really came alive in the middle innings. You know, it got off to a little bit of a slow start, like you said. Uh, maybe that can, uh, you know, plant the seed of doubt in teams after two innings in a playoff game. But this, this bunch seems resilient. Uh, and they were able to, to absolutely find the bats and produce a high-quality offensive production, 10 runs on 15 hits. I mean, that's very good for a playoff game against a very strong East Strasburg team that had a 34-10 and 10 record. I mean, they were they were very, very good. You know, they were right there on Kutztown's level almost. And you know, the standings might, you know, disagree a little bit. I think East Strasburg was fourth or fifth on the PSAC East this year. But on overall record terms, East Strasburg was a very strong team. Uh, but Kutztown did a good job taking care of business. Uh, and they really did a good job in that fourth inning to play five runs, and that's really where they broke the game open and never relinquished it uh, at, after that point. So it was a good start to their playoff run uh, against a good team, and again, this team can, continues to go out and prove why they were the top dog in the East Division and why they are so prolific. And I just want to take a look at individual statistics here because we always talk about when you want to win games, it's going to be a team effort. You don't want just one person standing out and of course we're going to start off with Bridget Bailey we already brushed over her statistics but she just keeps impressing day in day out 20 and 5 record six innings pitch six hits two runs they were earned five strikeouts 79 pitches were thrown and just looking at that overall that is that is very impressive and just to hold a team like East Stroudsburg and remember, if you go back to when they faced each other in regular season, they split that series a game apiece. So to have Bridget Bailey come in and just shut the door early, I think was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was, absolutely. And I, I mentioned East Strasburg was either fourth or fifth. I looked up the standings uh, just to confirm they were fifth 
in the East Division. They were the final team to make it in the East Division, but still, their record was reflective. But back to Bridget Bailey. I mean, she has been that that person this year for this team. You know, reliable, always goes out there, going to just give you a quality start uh, You know, each time. You know, she takes the bump, and uh, she did it yet again here in the playoffs. You know, the, the start wasn't the best, only two home runs in the first inning, but Cool Kama collected after that to post five consecutive scoreless innings on only 79 pitches. Again, I just attest to the kind of player that she is and the impact that she's had on this team is, you know, through the roof. It's it's almost immeasurable with how valuable she is on the mound each time she steps out there off of this Golden Bears team and a big part of why this team is as successful as they are. And she is just one of those leaders that we talk about. When you, when you have a good team, you always look to that one leader, and she is definitely that. But looking at the batting side, I was looking over when you were talking, Jack, about all of the starters, and I thought this was pretty impressive. Every starter, except for Bridget Bailey, because she had no at-bats, had at least one hit. So when you have a lineup that's producing hits like Kutztown, and just looking at an individual level, like starting off with Brianna Stockland, she went three for four on that game. Then you had Hannah Osville two for three, Jenna Lapotsky one for two, Alyssa Donato went one for four. And other than that, you had a couple hits scattered around. But when you have a team that's providing a lot of run support with those hits, it's really easy, I would say, to win a game. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, you know, one thing I think we got to mention here, looking back at this, you know, the offense was great. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, Cutstown, half of their runs were unearned. You know, for, for Zygmunt, the starter for East Stroudsburg, five innings, ten hits, seven runs, five earned runs. Uh, and then Jenkins came out of the bullpen, four hits, three runs. None of those runs were earned uh, before Groh got the final two outs that they needed to get. Uh, so, again, it's just a good job of the offensive production, but also capitalizing on your opponent's mistakes. Uh, East Stroudsburg made an error. Kutztown did a good job fully cashing in on that uh, and making the Warriors pay for the blunder that they that they committed. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, that's just what great teams do. Great teams make opponents pay for their mistakes. Kutztown did that in this game. It was a great win for them. Uh, they moved on to the second round, and we're going to get to that game in a little bit. But this one, nothing but positives to really look at for Kutztown in this one. Jack, we have a quick break coming up. But before we head to that, if East Stroudsburg, and I just want to mention, that was only one error that cost them five runs it looks like just about and walks as well too killed them overall walks there were three of them so if East Stroudsburg would have keep kept the walks down and they didn't commit that one error would we be having a different discussion right now do you think it depends uh I'm not entirely sure I think Kutztown was on their way they had the momentum that they were surging. I think they would have won this game either way, uh, but the error certainly opened the door for them to blow the game open to the margin that they did. Uh, and it was certainly, again, it was a good game. The walks, eh, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit concerning. It was, it was a little bit concerning for East Strasbourg, three walks and six innings. But again, you know, I don't think that's really the main bugaboo for them. I think it was just the error. So <laughs> overall, I, I think just could send a good job capitalizing the opportunity once again. Then it was a dominant 10 to win. Nothing more you could ask for in a playoff game uh, from the top seed than to go out there and just take care of business against a team that you know was lower than you. Still quality, but a team that you definitely should have beaten did. Well, Jack, it's come to that time now, the 20-minute mark. We're going to step aside, take a quick timeout. We just wrapped up our discussion of game number uno, which was a solid game as well. 
not really jam-packed full of information. A lot of home, couple home runs in that game. But if we want to talk about a game with a lot of home runs, what game should we talk about, do you think? What game should we talk about? Well, Josh, I think that's a great question, but I think it's the next game in line. Uh, it was the second round game for Kutztown where they took on the Huskies of Bloomsburg that had fireworks galore, especially late in the game. As uh, just, I- I'm speechless. I mean, just what a fantastic game this was for this team. You mentioned the home runs, three of them late uh, from either side, but Kutztown was able to take the win and walk things off four to three uh, in seven innings. Uh, you know, I think some of the biggest headlines from this box score for me, Bloomsburg made three errors in the game. You know, that's a little bit, that's a little bit reason for concern. Uh, but again, that only cost them for one unearned run. So again, they they made some mistakes, but they did a good job for Bloomsburg's sake. Uh, you know, damage control made a mistake, but you didn't uh, compound that mistake and you were able to, you know, get out of innings where you created extra outs for yourself. And that, and that that is a very interesting point to make, Jack, but. I'm looking at this game, and where do we start? That's just, I'm trying to, I'm really struggling on where to start. So, maybe let's start here. So, these type of games are always pretty interesting. The weather was actually pretty good. So, that always helps when you're, when you're, when you have the bats alive. So, it was uh, 63 degrees outside. It was a 12:30 game. So, looking at this, it was the first run was unearned on a fielding error. So, Kutztown jumped out to a very early lead. And then, Bloomsburg quickly answered back in the fifth inning with a run. Single to center field, run and scored, so tied up at one. Fast forward to the seventh inning, runner on base. Not sure where, but then Bloomsburg pulls out a two RBI home run to left center in the power alley. That's always one of those tough home runs you can get because that the power alley is just, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, the power alley is one of those deeper parts of the field where it's in that cutoff of center and left. So it's, a, it's even harder to get one out in the power alley. So left center, right center, but they somehow got one out. So going to the bottom of the seventh, 3-1 game. Goodstown down to their final shot to stay alive in the playoffs. Hannah Rimel comes up big. And, yes, just, and just to talk about this, Paola Textdort was on base, okay? And then you look at how Hannah Rimel comes up big a two RBI home run to answer. Yes, it so was. then you tied that game up. Then Hannah Allville, I hope I'm saying that right. Yes, you are. Hannah Allville. Homer to left field and a walk off home run. And looking at the scoring summary, there are only five, I would say, inserts. I think that's the right word. But five inserts for a game. Of this big of a magnitude, I want to say this was a really big pitcher's duel, but at the same time, it really wasn't because Bloomsburg committed three errors and Kutztown only had six hits. Bloomsburg had eight hits. So it's not even, I wouldn't even say a pitcher's duel. So 
No, I How? wouldn't call it a pitcher's duel. And you know, sorry to cut you off here, but you no, know, just, no, no, you know, spewing out in that point. You know, it's just a low-scoring contest. That's what it is. It's a three, it was a three-to-one game in the seventh inning, going to the bottom of the seventh. Before you mentioned, Kutztown rallied for three. Uh, but something that's just so impressive to me is that Rymel came off the bench in in the seventh inning. Rymel came out. Hannah Rymel came off the bench, pinch hit. And it a two-run home run. That you you want to talk about clutch? Do you want to talk about clutch? That is the definition of clutch right there. Getting your name called in a situation where you know you might not be expecting it, but you come off the bench late in the game in a big situation uh, and hit a home run to tie the game. I mean, that is just ice cold water in your veins right there. I mean, that is just you know oh what God. what a moment, what a moment. Uh, and then we mentioned Allville with the walk off home run. I mean, again. Those are the wins that can really captivate a team, especially in the playoffs. You mentioned comebacks. You know, we talked about it earlier with the Mets Phils, but uh, in this playoff situation for Kutztown, uh, it's just it's just incredible. It is just incredible what it can do, what a comeback of this magnitude late in the game with three runs and two home runs can do for a team, boost your confidence, you know, and continue to push you on a playoff run. Uh, so again, these are confidence builders, uh, building blocks, and you know, just a great job uh, all around late in this game to be able to pull off this comeback. Uh, and you know, you know, pick up the mistake they made in the seventh inning. They, you know, they gave up a home run, lost the lead, lost the tie. I do a home run, but they they made up for it and won the game. And that's at the end of the day, all that matters. So what a win, uh, and what a game in the second round when they had their backs against the wall. And just I didn't even realize that was a pinch hit home run. That's what makes it even. I would say for Kutztown sweeter, but for Bloomsburg even bitter. And this game was really impressive to say the least. I couldn't even imagine who was on the call of this game and how crazy they must have been going because I you don't see walk-offs, I don't think, too often in PSAC play, do you? Uh, I haven't seen I, I haven't not seen a whole lot, but again, uh, it's playoffs. Anything can happen, and you get a walk-off home run. So just the playoff magic was alive and well for the Golden Bears in this one. And just let's move on to what started off with pitching, and then we'll move into hitting. First off for Kutztown, if you could guess who was pitching, this is for all our listeners. If you if you could guess who was pitching, who would you guess? It's not a it's not a hard guess. Not not a hard not a hard guess. No no. Well, time's up. It's Bridget Bailey once again. Seven innings pitched, eight hits, three runs, all three earned, one walk, six strikeouts. 116 pitches were thrown in total. So, if you look at the quick math here, 79 plus 116. See, my co-host has been a, r- a really nice person, and he's doing the math for me over there. Can you sh- can you share with the group how many pitches total that is in two games? I mean, I actually wasn't doing the math, but oh, sorry, it's, it's okay. So sorry, I I really oh, wait, hate I'm to... not even looking at the right game. What, what am I going on? I actually clicked on the Mercyhurst game as I had this have this stuff pulled up. Uh, but that is going to be 200 and I believe 38, if I'm doing the math correctly. 116 plus 122. 116 plus 79, 195. Oh, 79. Oh, I thought you were comparing the, the 79. Two teams. No, 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 the no the two appearances that Bridget Bailey had oh, okay. but 200 pitches what that can do on your arm is just I'm, it's I, a lot it's, but, a, it's a lot but, but she is a beast I, I must on. say I must say you know it's not as much as throwing you know the motion for softball uh, it 
you know, it does take a lot on your arm, but it's not like baseball. You know, baseball's throwing a baseball is not a natural motion for your arm. You know, you're putting a lot of torque on your elbow with the snapping, you know, motion that you go down. With softball, it's kind of more put strain on your shoulder, not really your elbow. Uh, if there is, you know, feeling of discomfort, I would say, because you're winding up and you're, you know, going it from like almost your hip areas when you're releasing the ball. So you're bringing your arm and you're getting a lot of torque on, an, on the movement all around. So I would say it's not as much in your elbow, which is what I think allows these pitchers to throw as many pitches as they do because it's not as strenuous on your arm, you know, day in and day out. And that's why Bridget Bailey makes so many appearances is because, you know, just the way the ball is thrown does not put as much, I think, strain on their elbow as it does compared to throwing a baseball That is as actually, a starting pitcher. That is actually a really good perspective, I think. That I really appreciate you for sharing that because I didn't even think about that. And... When you work out, I think that I think that it tells you what you really need to work on. It's going to be shoulders and your upper arms that you need to put most of that most of your weightlifting, I think, in. And I know a lot of college teams they do a lot of lifting, and softball is no exception. They're always in the weight room. I know working out. So for pitchers, I think that th- that definitely provides me some good insight. But looking at Bloomsburg pitchers, uh, she had a. I would say a pretty good performance. 6.1 innings pitch, 6 hits, 4 runs, 3 were earned, 1 walk, 7 strikeouts, 122 pitches thrown. So, there was a little bit of a difference, but not much, I would say. No, it's not. Uh, but I just want to make a, one more quick point on that thing I made with the baseball and the softball argument. There, I'm not saying that you can't experience elbow pain as a softball pitcher. I'm just saying I think... That it, you know, compared to throwing a baseball, it, it put base throwing a baseball as a starting pitcher with that much velocity uh, can put a lot more uh, strain on your elbow than compared to so- throwing a softball. But it doesn't mean that you can't experience uh, elbow pain if you're a softball pitcher. Just want to clarify that point if there was any you know, vagueness left in the air. But going back to this, uh, Sowers, like you said, for Bloomsburg, six and a third, three runs, four hits. I mean, that's a good outing. Uh, you know, that's quality. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough to get Bloomsburg the win. Uh, and cuts down did enough in this one to pull out a victory and advance one more round in the playoffs. And going, going to I would say for for Kutztown and Bloomsburg, not many hits like we saw in game number one. Six hits for four runs in that game. There were three home runs, so the bats were on fire. I would say pretty pretty big and you don't see that too often at least I don't think but just a game like this and going into the next round what are some things that Kutztown maybe could have done better in this game and how do you think they could translate this into their next game well it's quite simple um you know you've built a lot of good things so far in this playoff run and we'll get to the next game uh in just a minute but it's just just keep building. You know, you got reliable pitching, and it's just about the bats being consistent, which they have been so far. So really, there's I don't think there's a whole lot you really can improve on to this point. I mean, they've been getting consistent pitching. The bats have been there. Again, what what else can you really say? Uh, it's been good this far, but you got to keep it up uh, for one more game, and we'll get into their last game against Mercyhurst. But, you know, I like the way this team's playing right now. They've been playing good all year, especially down the stretch, and they've been, you know, pulling up in big moments here in this playoff run as it has gone on. So I've liked what I've seen this far, but it's just a matter of keep playing consistent softball each in, uh, day in and day out. And this this was really just, I thought, impressive. And that game, two walk-offs, and you don't see that too often, I don't think. 
But when you go to pitching, and the problem I have, I always keep coming to this. Injuries can definitely hurt a team, and we've seen this throughout high school, college, major league levels. If Bridget Bailey were to get hurt, I, I pray to God she does not. But if she does, who do you go to then, I think is the question we should be asking ourselves. Yeah, you know, that is would be definitely worst-case scenario for this team. And, you know, injuries do happen, but she's been able to stay healthy all year. Uh, I, you know, again, we can't you, you can't predict injuries would happen. Uh, so, you know, this avenue of going down, you know, I'm not really, you know, a, a whole big-time fan of just, you know, in, in enticing a theoretical or a hypothetical situation more is the, is the correct word hypothetical uh you know we got to look at what this team has now on the roster and you got to look at the way they're going you know into the next games with the players they have so again uh if if, if worst case scenario happened and let's say bailey did get hurt though you know you're gonna have to go to your you know to your second and third pitchers and maybe that that's where things get a little bit shaky with this team but again i uh, you know that's a hypothetical situation and again injuries do happen uh but Again, you got to look at what this team has now. They've been rolling right now with the players they've got. You know, you don't like to speculate things uh, for the, for the future, but again, injuries are a part of the game, and things do happen. So, uh, while that's an interesting perspective and an interesting point, uh, you know, you got to look at what they have, and as they're rolling on in this playoff run, they're they're looking good with the players they have, and everyone's been completely healthy, so that's good. And that was really all the points I had for game at number two. Moving on to game number three, we're going to be cut off in the middle of our conversation due to a, a couple words from our station. But that Mercyhurst game was quite impressive once again. And another late rally to give them the win over Mercyhurst and eventually and move on to the PSAC finals. They're still waiting for a opponent. opponent. I'm going to assume they're, they were supposed to play today. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Tr- tr- let's try to look that up really quickly. Looking at the schedule, it says to be decided May eighth. So the championship game is scheduled to be playing on Sunday. Kutztown was a confirmed lock in the game. They are waiting on their opponent here. And this, I was looking at the bracket a little bit earlier. It is a little bit confusing. Uh, but Kutztown is clearly the one seed here as they moved on past Mercyhurst, so they have the the ticket to the championship game. Uh, but I think they're waiting on the winner. Of Mercyhurst and either Shepard or Bloomsburg, um, so no, I don't think they're going to be playing today because of the rain. Yes, the Friday's games will be postponed until Saturday. So, you know, interesting to see what's going to happen. Uh, but as of right now, it's scheduled to be played on Sunday uh, with the championship game. Cuts down meeting uh, their opponent, which is to be decided. So they were supposed to play today. No. Well, no. Well, the Mer- Mercyhurst and uh, the winner of Shepard and Bloomsburg, they were supposed to play. Today, looks... I think Shepard and Bloomsburg were supposed to play today. Oh, they're not. The winner. Of, they're yeah. not playing today. No, they're not. But I think the schedule was supposed to go Shepard and Bloomsburg today, Mercyhurst, and the winner of that Shepard Bloomsburg game tomorrow, and the winner of that to play Cutstown in the championship on Sunday. That's w- what makes logical sense to me. Yeah, I always get confused by brackets. But getting back into this discussion, Cutstown had a really late rally once again. Mercyhurst put two runs up in the third, three runs up in the fourth. With Kutztown putting one round up in the fourth. And then Kutztown finally came alive in the sixth, putting up three runs. And we'll talk about the seventh inning when we come back from the break because that could be a long discussion in itself. But looking at those first couple innings, 
you start off with a two two run home run. One of the runs was unearned. It looks like, or they were both unearned. But no, they they were both earned. It looks like, but just looking at that overall, I think that two run home run that's been a constant thing we've seen in these PSAC playoffs. Oh yes, it has. The home uh, the ball has been flying out of the yard. I don't know if it's the dimensions of the stadium, but I think we're seeing a lot more home runs. But that is entertainment, uh, and you like to see it. You know, home runs do generate excitement and buzz. Uh, and yes, like you mentioned, those two of those runs were unearned. I believe those two unearned came in the fourth inning, where Mercyhurst uh, put up a four spot, or put up a three spot correction. Uh, but overall, I think you know, in a game that was five to one, Augustin did a really good job to bounce back and take it. But again, I think we're going to break, so we're going to talk about that on the flip side. Uh, and you just let it right in there. Thank you very much. But, You're welcome. But so we're gonna have to step aside, go to break. But Jack, every week we do our trivia question. So Kutztown, they had three players go all league in the PSAC, but this only started a couple years ago. So my question to you is, when did the PSAC start honoring East? and West Division teams in all of PSAC. And that's to our listeners, too. Think about that on the break. And we'll be right back to discuss that here on the Bears Beat. Stay with us. Jack, before we went to the break, we asked about our trivia question. And that trivia question was the PSAC started honoring Eastern and Western Division teams for all conference in lacrosse. When was the year they started doing that? And what is your guess? All conference in lacrosse. So when did the PSAC start honoring all division teams or all conference It was teams? broken up into Eastern and Western. Okay. Sounds sounds good. So hmm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, this is fairly recent. Not like not like too recently, but I'm thinking like early two thousands. So the first thing that came to mind, I'm gonna go with two thousand three. I don't know if that's way off or way on, but that's just where I guesstimated. Uh, and l- l- let me know if I'm even close. I, if I'm close, I'll be happy. 2003. Well, I'm going to say you're somewhat close. It was actually 18 years later, 2021. Really? 2021. I even have it pulled up here. Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. But it was 2021 they started honoring teams. Both Eastern and Western. You have to look that up. It, it, Eastern, and I'm like, I couldn't even believe that. I thought when I first saw it, and I didn't even look at the year. I'm like, oh, maybe like 1980 and 2000. Yeah, I was thinking like Y2, Y2K maybe, but but 2021. They broke. That's that's quite impressive. But shout out to our three players who did make all conference. We'll talk. Just a quick shout out to them and the the good season they had, but. We need to finish out our softball discussion here. Before the break, we talked about the first six innings and how impressive they were. Now let's move on to the seventh inning. So to start off the discussion, Brianna Stockland doubled the left center field with an RBI. Zoe Texador went to third. Hannah Rimo scored. Then Hannah Oliveville comes up. Remember, that was the name who hit... That walk that two that walk off home run, excuse me, to win the game before. She singled the second base, two RBIs scored, and Bri- 
Brianna Stockland and Zoe Textador scored, Hannah Alvels on first. Then the big bat of Jenna Leposky comes up. Jenna Leposky, a graduate student, comes up clutch once again. A homer to left, left field. And that is two more RBIs. So going into the s bottom of the top of the seventh, excuse me, Clutchdown was down 5-4. They somehow pull out five runs to make it a 9-5 game going to the bottom of the seventh. And once again, Bridget Bailey, who pitched four innings in that game, shut it down once again. And that's that, that's probably the best. This is probably the best I've ever seen a team play in the playoffs of any league. Yeah, and you know, the, I, the late game heroics came out once again. Five runs in the seventh inning, like you previously mentioned. Uh, and Jenna Lepowski, again, two-run home run, clutch, extended the lead, got some big-time insurance on uh, the Golden Bears, closed it out there after that uh, with a 9-5 to win. But you got to mention in the sixth inning what really got the comeback started. They were down 5-1, to one, uh, and Kate Ostazewski hit a three-run shot uh, to center, the dead center field, so more than likely the deepest part of the yard uh, this dead center field is. So, again, you got to mention that if you're going to talk about the starting of this comeback. A three-run sixth and a five-run seventh. Eight of their nine came in the last two innings of the game. A very impressive. Another showing of late-game heroics by the Golden Bears to beat the Lakers of Mercyhurst University. So they are 3-0 and in the PSAC tournament run. This Golden Bears team looking very strong, and they've claimed a bid in the title game. Uh, so they have one more game to win to take on the PSAC crown in 2022. Uh, and Kapofo was an incredible season thus far in conference play, and they should have regionals ahead, hopefully. And and that is pretty impressive, to say the least. And just looking at some individual statistics, Sarah Harvey, three innings pitched, three runs, five runs, excuse me, three were earned through five hits. Bridge Bailey, three hits, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts, and Sarah Harvey had three strikeouts. So Sarah Harvey didn't have her way on the mound just as much as maybe she would have liked to, but Bridget Bailey coming out clutch once again, and the hits really did start to come alive. Brandon Stockland with two doubles, Jenna Laposky with a double, Alyssa Donato with a double. You talked about we talked about Jenna Laposky and Kate. You'll have to say that last name. I'm so sorry. Kate Ostazuski. Yes, Kate Ostazuski. Kate Ostazuski. Yes, with another home run, and then. You also had Kate Ostazewski getting a hit by pitch. So the bats really did come alive. 12 hits through that game. And overall, that's definitely what you want to see from your team, I think, Jack. No, absolutely. Uh, again, you, you mentioned the ability to not falter in the big moment. And that is exactly what this team did yet again. Uh, you know, we mentioned 8 of the 9 came in the final two winnings. Again, the moment wasn't too big for a team that was the top dog in the East Division. Um, one of the best teams, not only in this conference, uh, but I think in the region. You know, it's incredible to see you know just the resilience from this bunch, fighting through adversity uh, and getting through it yet again. So, again, good teams just find ways to win, uh, and this Golden Bears team found yet another different way to win in this conference tournament. You know, what 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 makes great teams so lethal is their ability to win games and. A plethora of different areas and in different ways and this time out it was the bats coming up yet again late so again what a year it's been for this golden bear squad uh and they just continue to find ways to win in the playoffs uh just 
tip my cap to them on what's been a great season thus far. And that this is a really good discussion, and I hate to cut it off once again, but we have a quick announcement from the KOR Notebook. But when we come back, we're going to finish up our discussion of the softball team and the amazing season they're having right here on the Bears Beat. Stay with us. Attention KU community. Did you know that the Tutoring Services Office provides KU students with math peer tutoring? This service is completely free and no appointment is needed. This covers everything from Math 17 to Calculus. If you are interested, Math Peer Tutoring is offered Monday through Thursday from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. in Little Room 218. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Welcome back to the Bears Beat, your home for the best coverage of Kutztown Golden Bear Athletics. Once again, Josh Toot, alongside Jack Heim. Jack, this softball team, we talked about them just for about 40 minutes because of so much amazing things they're doing. We talked about MLB for a little bit for about 10 minutes. Oh, you saw that? You saw that? I'm really starting to go off topic. I, I'm really bad at being a talk show host. You saw that thing on the on the group chat. I did in the Discord. Oh, my God. Very strange. Uh, can, can we air, can we maybe talk about that for like one minute? Yeah, I think I think we could. Easy FM ninety three point seven W O E Z, the Low Country's Easy FM in South Carolina. Can you believe this? They're gonna air the sound of thunder and rain every, every night. Every night from twelve a.m. to about five a.m. to help their listeners fall asleep. Why? You know, maybe maybe people have Why? you know trouble. You know, maybe those ambient sounds will help their listeners fall asleep for people who you know don't have the easiest time falling asleep at night so maybe this can help some people and hopefully this will be a you know a good thing um but yeah that, that was strange i was not oh. expecting to see that in the discord today i uh, that, that definitely won't help me fall asleep but back to this topic of softball so looking at the psac bracket it is definitely a tough bracket i'll say that because they're gonna have to reface either a, one of those teams that they already faced, it's either going to be Mercyhurst or the winner of Shepard and Bloomsburg to go to the the final. But looking at this, I think you know, you made a mistake going against Bloomsburg. You got down really early. And same with Mercyhurst. You got down really early. It's hard to come back against a team twice in about the span of about I would say three days what can you do differently to make sure that you don't end up on the losing side now I just want to make this point really quickly even if you do lose that game you still have one more shot to win the PSAC final because the winner of game 18 which is Clitztown versus the winner of Mercyhurst and the winner of Sheffer versus Bloomsburg so the winner of that game will, the winner and loser of that game will be playing in the PSAC final. But what can you possibly do differently? I think to make sure that you don't fall out on the losing side of things. You know, I think that's a good point about familiarity with your opponent. They haven't faced Shepard yet in, yet in this tournament, but they've played a bunch in the regular season as they are on a East, fellow Eastern Division team. So Shepard would give you a new look in the playoffs. Maybe that could provide a new challenge. But for Mercyhurst and Bloomsburg, you face these teams once already in this tournament. You face Bloomsburg again in the regular season. Uh, but again, talk about familiarity. They've now seen Bridget Bailey at least one time. Uh, for Mercyhurst, they saw her once. Bloomsburg's seen her a good amount of times now. A little bit of familiarity there with the pitcher. 
Uh, but again, you know, you're only going to be able to fall behind the eight ball a certain amount of times before someone come, come before it comes back to get you. You know, you it's great that they've been pulling off these comebacks, come come from behind wins. But at some point, you know, a team is going to make you pay for starting off slow. Uh, again, just don't want to see that happen. But to change that, I think you got to get off to a fast start. I mean, what's the opposite of a slow start? It's a fast start. Jump into your opponent early, get an early lead. You know, Bailey's going to give you a quality start every time she, you know, she takes the mound. And again, getting the bats going early, putting a team, you know, in the hole early for a team that might not be able to fight your adversity as well as this Kutztown team has and come back. Uh, again, that's just exactly what I think would be a better anecdote for this team in terms of trying to combat a little bit of slow starts and falling behind teams early on in games. And just looking at that, you just got the notification too. We're going to have to dodge our conversation once again. I am so sorry. So sorry. But I'm, I'm really not. But maybe it, maybe it will sweeten the situation. Friday's game between Mets and Phillies rescheduled due to inclement weather and now will be played August 20th. I don't know why that lead. Why couldn't they just play a Sunday doubleheader? What, whatever. It is but, what it is. But I'm just looking at Twitter right now and I was scrolling through the uh, the the PSAC website and Mo Williams, one of the big stars of the softball team, he tweeted about the game and he said our softball team elite is elite. Yes. Basically and I, I couldn't even word that better myself. I love that. Like our softball team, I don't think I've ever seen a baseball or softball team this good before in my life. Yeah. Maybe was, I mean I didn't know Mo played for the softball team, but that's that's new to me. That's it, news to me. He he doesn't play for the. I said he plays for the basketball team. No 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 no. You said softball, oh. but it is what it is. Oh. I'm just I'm just pulling your like. Williams plays for the basketball team, uh, and he's been here for quite some time. But yeah, Mo Mo, Mo did make that tweet, uh, and the softball team is very good. But Josh, I do want to pose you a question, uh, which is why I did uh, in, in interrupt your point a little bit. It does mention here on the PSAC website, game 19 will only be played if game 17 winner wins game 18. So if Cutstown goes out and wins the game 18, I guess the winner of Mercyhurst and the winner of Shepard and Bloomsburg, they will be crowned PSAC champions. So really, Cutstown, all they have to do is win one more game and they're champs. What do you think about that? What really, what I should say, what do you think they really have to do in this game 18 to differentiate themselves in the first time around if they get a look at Bloomsburg or Mercyhurst again? So I have a couple points that I want to bring up. And this is really a tough answer, and I'm, I didn't even see that myself. I am really glad you did see that, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up. So I think it's going to start off with jumping out to a very early lead. I think that every game they played in this playoffs, they were down very early on in the first couple innings. So that put them against the wall. I think that pitching is going to have to pull out another win. So basically when I say pitching, I basically mean Bridget Bailey needs to pull out another win. I think that you need to play a clean game of softball. I think that definitely helps. But I think it really is going to come down to the bats. The bats is always something that throughout many baseball games, many softball games, I have seen have won games for teams. So I think if they do all those things, I definitely think they could be holding up a PSAC trophy when they do play game 18 the first time around. Now, if they do lose, they will have a second chance. They will have a second chance. So hopefully they clean up their mistakes. But I think that's a good answer. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, again, you just don't don't let it go to a game 19. That's really all you have to do. It's in your hands. There's nothing. Else, there's no exterior factors here that are playing 
into your hands of forcing game 19 to come into play. Go out there in game 18 and just take care of business yet again. You're 3-0 in these playoffs. All you need is one more win and just go out there and do it the first time around. Again, you're going to be facing a quality opponent no matter who it is, and you're going to have to bring your A game. Uh, but we've seen time and time again how talented this team is on how elite they are. They, they can bring it. They can certainly win the game 18 no matter who they're playing. Uh, it's just a matter of going out there and doing it. They do get some rest time, which is good for this team uh, up until Sunday. So they can rest, you know, get that extra preparation uh, for wherever they're playing. Again, just going out there, playing your best game, they can do it. They're going to have to rely on Bridget Bailey again to give them another quality start. And the bats that have been producing, Anastasiewski, Lepowski, and everyone else in between, Allville, the names go on. They're going to have to continue to produce uh, for just one more game to get them a PSAC crown, which is very much in the cards for the squad. And Jack, we're coming to the last 30 seconds of our final show for the semester. Jack, I remember in the beginning of the semester, I told you about this idea that I had for this show, and this was probably one of the best ideas I've ever had. This was such a great show. I love doing it with you, man. Great time. I, I, I can't wait to be back next year. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to all of our shows. Make sure to follow us on social media at KUR for our next live show next semester.